Good morning, and welcome to Upward Vision. We're glad you've chosen to join us this morning. Upward Vision is a ministry of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church, with locations in Bloomington and Bedford, Indiana. Now for today's message. So good morning. 11 o'clock service. Good morning to those of you who are joining us online. I uh, hope that you all had a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. I'm sure, you know, like ours, yours probably looked uh, a little bit different. We had a much smaller gathering with uh, Amber's, my wife's um, parents, and then her youngest sister and family that live here in town. And so we knew that this year was going to be a little bit different for them. And, and, you know, I've got two little girls, seven and eight, and then I have two nephews uh, that are about that age. And so we wanted to do something that was memorable for them. And so my father-in-law and I got together and we built a catapult uh, to be able to launch pumpkins into their, their woods. And the kids loved it. Um, it hit about 75% of what uh, my father-in-law and I were hoping that it would do. And so we are already starting to work on plans for next year's catapult. We have 363 days. And so if you have any ideas, please send them my way. We want to rock that thing out for Thanksgiving 2021. Now, I know for many of us, again, Thanksgiving was different. We're looking ahead to the Christmas season uh, and plans are probably going to look a little bit different for that as well than what we are accustomed to. If you are uh, like my family, you have a plan A that's in place that you're moving towards, but you also have a plan B and maybe even a plan C that you might have to go to uh, just in, in case that's in your back pocket. And that's kind of all par for the course for 2020, isn't it? I don't know that I have ever used the word plan as much as I have this year. What's your plan? There's been a change of plans. Do we have a backup plan? There's a new plan. You know, we just use that word over and over and over. But like we said earlier on in all of this, blessed are the flexible for they won't get bent out of shape. <laughs> and many of us, even the most rigid among us, have kind of learned how to be a little bit more flexible this, this year. But when it comes to God's plan and God's design for the church, uh, nothing has changed. And over almost 2,000 years in the history of the church, God's plan for the church and his plan for the message of the grace and the redemption that Jesus offers us, it's still the same. When it comes to reaching people for Christ, the church is God's plan A. And there is no plan B. We are God's plan A. There is no plan B. You and I, our brothers and sisters that are gathered up in churches right now in our community and in our nation and around the world, we are God's plan A for reaching people for Christ. And there is no plan B. In other words, if it does not get done through us, then it's not going to get done. Which is why what we are talking about today is, is so incredibly important. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. We're closing out our series this morning on the book of Acts. And over the last 12 weeks, uh, we have taken this deep dive into the radical difference that Jesus makes in our lives and in our relationships and in our, in our church 
our communities and, and around the world. And we've seen how the radical message of God's love um, spreads and starting in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and to the, to the ends of the earth. We've talked about the radical relationship that, that God has invited us into, that he has made possible through Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit comes and enters and indwells those who, who have found salvation and who follow him. There's, there's this relationship that happens to where God is no longer out there, but he is in here. We've looked at the radical community that these first followers of Jesus experienced and how their love for Jesus and one another, it spurred them on to radical generosity, radical authenticity, where they were real with one another. They carried each other's burdens. They, they watched as God did his transforming work in their lives through Jesus. And we've seen how the servant leadership that Jesus modeled created this radical new form of leadership that was modeled in the men and women who led in the early church and how the radical message of grace opened up the doors of salvation to all people regardless of race or gender or nationality or ethnicity We've talked about the radical mission of the church to go to the ends of the earth, to take the gospel no matter what the cost and how men and women then and throughout the centuries have been willing to give it all so that others have the opportunity to know, love, and follow Jesus. And so as we close out today, we're looking at what it means for us to continue in what we read in the book of Acts, to, to be the radical church like we studied this fall. And so if you have your, your Bibles open, look at our text with me, Acts chapter 28, starting in verse 30. And we know from the context of our passage today that Paul is in Rome and he is in chains. He, he is on house arrest um, for Christ. And this is how Luke closes off his letter. He says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's it. With those two verses, that scene, Luke closes off the book of Acts. Paul is under house arrest for preaching about the kingdom of God and teaching people about Jesus. And what we find is that even though he continues to be in chains, he's, he's, he's living in his own place, but he is chained to a guard day and night. In spite of those circumstances, Paul continues to preach about the kingdom of God and teach about Jesus. And in a lot of ways, the book of Acts ends the same way that it begins. Acts begins with Jesus teaching the disciples about the kingdom of God that would spread to the ends of the earth. And then it ends with Paul being in these far off places, preaching about the kingdom of God and teaching people about Jesus. And this is fitting because it's the central message and mission in the book of Acts. Acts 1 starts with it, Acts 28 ends with it, and it is the message in all of the chapters in between. It's the story of telling others the good news of Jesus and inviting them into God's kingdom. And this message and this mission that started with Jesus advances through the early church in the book of Acts, and it continues today. I think it's why in Luke's the letter, 
Luke ends the letter the way that he does. Acts doesn't end with a conclusion. It ends with a continuation. It's like that, that show that you watch and at the end of it, you know, the black screen comes up and it says to be continued, dot, dot, dot. Like we are the continuation of the book of Acts. Luke doesn't tie a bow on this book because the story isn't over. It is still being written through us as we continue to tell others the good news of Jesus and invite them in to God's kingdom. Through the years, theologians have, have landed on many different ways um, and, and tools to help us understand what, what scripture says. And one of them is kind of outlining the Bible as a, a six-act play. And, and a lot of times when we study scripture, I know in my own personal devotion time and, and definitely when we are here on Sunday mornings and diving into to text in the sermon, oftentimes what we do is, is we take this really kind of micro look into a text. And so we look at the book and then we look at the chapter, we look at a verse, and sometimes we even look specifically at a word and try to break it down to see what it means and, and what it says. And, and this is a really fruitful way of studying scripture, but it's also helpful sometimes to instead of just look at it from a micro level to kind of zoom out and to, and to understand scripture from a macro level, to understand this, this narrative that God is writing, the story that, that God is telling that began in Genesis and will one day end with the fulfillment that we read in, in Revelation. And so understanding scripture as a six act play helps us not only, only understand the full scope and narrative of scripture, but I think it also helps us understand what our part is within the story that God is writing. And so in act one, you have creation. In act one is Genesis one and two. It tells the story of God creating the world, God creating us in his image. And, and what we get from, from the, the act of creation is that God designed us to be his image bearers. And he designed us to enjoy the beauty of everything that he created, whether it be with one another, with him, with, with the beauty of creation that we see all around us. That's act one. And then we get to act two. And in act two, we have the fall. And this is the point in the story when everything goes wrong. And Genesis three through 11 kind of outlines those beginning uh, effects of the fall. Because of Adam and Eve's disobedience in the fall, sin and brokenness become our reality. And now our lives are filled with pain and pandemics and brokenness and, and sickness and death that God never intended for us to experience. Humanity rejects God, which causes evil and selfishness to just explode in the world. And we continue to live with the effects of the fall still today. Act three tells the story of the nation of Israel. Genesis 12 through the rest of the Old Testament is the account of God looking for ways to, to make things right again. He establishes the nation of Israel as his chosen covenant family. They were to represent him on earth and to be the vehicle through which God blesses the world and restores and brings humanity back to him. But unfortunately, like the rest of us, Israel falls short. They are unfaithful to God. And instead of representing him, they do what a lot of us do and they rebelled against him. 
But God remained faithful. And he saw his promise through. And in Act 4, God sends Jesus to do what Israel failed to do. Jesus comes as a light to all nations and announces the kingdom of God is at hand. His ministry focuses on restoring what sin had destroyed. It's why we see, as you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell the story of Jesus' life. It's why we see Jesus do so many healings and drive out so many demons. He is restoring what sin had broken. It's why we see Jesus forgive sin and overcome evil, he begins to reverse the effects of the fall. And he is obedient in our disobedience. And his obedience leads him to the cross where he pays the price for our sins so that we can be forgiven. So that we can begin to be restored when we put our faith in him. We can begin to be restored back to God. Our relationships can be restored. And we're adopted into God's covenant family that now expands well beyond Israel. And in Act 5, Jesus commissions the church to carry out the work that he started. This is Acts through pretty much the remainder of of, of the New Testament up through the end part of Revelation. The church is sent out as the new Israel to preach the good news of Jesus to the nations, that in him God is redeeming and restoring what sin has destroyed. The church is now the vehicle of God's blessing and a light to the world, calling people back to him. And then in Act 6, Jesus will return to complete the full restoration of all humanity and creation. In Revelation 20 through 22, we catch a glimpse of a newly restored earth that will become one with heaven and we will live on this renewed earth with God forever. And in this new creation, there is no more sickness, no more pain, no more sin. Evil will be banished once and for all and the world that God originally imagined will become our reality for all of eternity. These six acts tell the story of what God is doing to redeem and restore and renew all things. But as we are painfully aware, we are not living in act six yet, are we? (laughs) We still continue to, to see the effect of sin and brokenness all around us. Which means that we are continuing to play out the narrative and the story of Act 5. The story of the church is still being written in us while we await the second coming of Christ. If, if the book of Acts has 28 chapters, then we are Acts 29. We are the continuation of the book of Acts. And until the day Jesus returns to gather up for himself all who placed their faith in him for their salvation, all who followed him and whose sins were washed away by the blood of the lamb, until the day when Jesus returns to usher us into this beautiful new creation, we will continue to tell others the good news of Jesus and invite them into God's family with us. At least that's what we're supposed to do. And unfortunately, many churches, many followers of Jesus have lost focus on the message and the mission that matters most. A few weeks ago, Matt Limbrick, who's leading us in worship this morning, sent me a a short story. It's kind of a a modern day parable. 
It was written in 1953 by a man named Thomas Weddle. And, and I think that it's just as relevant today as it, as it was then. It's a little lengthy, but I think it's worth reading this morning. The story goes like this. On a dangerous sea coast where shipwrecks often occurred, there was once a life-saving station. The building was primitive and there was just one boat, but the members of the life-saving station were committed and kept a constant watch over the sea. When a ship went down, they unselfishly went out day or night to save the lost. Because so many lives were saved by that station, it became famous. Consequently, many people wanted to be associated with the station to give their time, talent, and money to support its important work. New boats were bought, new crews were recruited, a formal training session was offered. As the membership of the life-saving station grew, some of the members became unhappy that the building was so primitive and that the equipment was so outdated and not to their liking They wanted a better place to welcome the survivors pulled from sea. And so they replaced the emergency cots with beds and put better furniture in the enlarged and newly decorated building. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members. They met regularly and when they did, it was apparent how they loved one another. They greeted each other hugged each other when they weren't required to wear masks and socially distance. I added that last part just to make sure you were still paying attention. (laughs) And they shared with one another the events that had been going on in their lives. But fewer members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions. And so they hired lifeboat crews to do this for them. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off of the coast And the hired crew members brought into the life-saving station boatloads of cold, wet, dirty, sick, and half-drowned people. Some of them had black skin and some had brown skin. Some could speak English well and some could hardly speak it at all. Some were first-class cabin passengers on the ship and some were merely deckhands. The beautiful meeting place became a place of chaos. The plush carpets got dirty. Some of the exquisite furniture got scratched. So the property committee immediately had a shower built outside the house where the victims of shipwrecks could be cleaned up before they come inside. At the next meeting, there was a rift in the membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities. They were unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal fellowship of the members. And after all, they had needs too. Shouldn't the life-saving station focus on their needs rather than those who are drowning? Other members insisted that life-saving was their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save the lives of all those various kinds of people who would be shipwrecked, then they could go build their own life-saving station down the coast. And so that's what they did. As years passed, the new station experienced the same challenges that had occurred in the old It evolved into a place to meet regularly for fellowship, to committee meetings, and for special training sessions about their mission, but few went out to drowning people. The drowning people were no longer welcomed in that new life-saving station, and so another life-saving station was built further down the coast. History continued to repeat itself, and if you visit that seacoast today, you will find a number of adequate meeting places with ample parking, 
and plush carpeting. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters, but most of the people just drown. Story sounds all too familiar, doesn't it? In fact, I think it's easier to imagine the church today in that story than it is to imagine it in the story that we read in the book of Acts. And so how do we continue to be a radical church today? How do we, how do we ensure that at Sherwood Oaks we're, we're different, our story is different, that our story doesn't become the, the story of the lighthouses, but that we continue to write the story that we see in the book of Acts. I, I think that we see it in the two verses that we looked at earlier. Luke summarizes the book of Acts and the purpose of the church in these last two verses. Our message is about Jesus and our mission is about inviting people into God's family. God has equipped the church, gifted the church, died for the church to save the church and called his church to shine as a light in the darkness of this world, beckoning people back to him. And when we take our eyes off of this message and this mission, we begin to lose sight of what the church is all about. As we continue into the future of Sherwood Oaks, may we be a church that is steadfast in our message and our mission. May we be a church that is devoted to the Lord and to one another. But it doesn't end there. May we be a church that is devoted to telling people the good news of Jesus and inviting them into God's family with us. The church, we are God's plan A. And there is no plan B. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful, messy, broken idea of a church, Lord, that you created. Lord, this was your idea. And and in it, Lord, in the church, you have designed it and equipped it. You have given it all sorts of gifts to to come together and to represent you in this world. And, And Lord, when the church gets it right, there is nothing more beautiful in this world than the expression of the body of Christ. But Lord, unfortunately, so often we, we don't get it right. <laughs> so often, Lord, we lose focus on what matters most and we, we turn our attention to our wants and our preferences, our likes and our dislikes, and we craft a church that's made more in our image than in yours. We craft a church that is more about meeting our needs than the needs of those who are drowning in their sin. We craft a church that is more what we desire than what you desire. But God, thank you that that even in that, just as you were to Israel, just as you were to the early church, you continue to be faithful to us today. You continue to love us, God, in spite of us. But God, I pray that we will be a church that continues to to pursue passionately your mission and preach with boldness your message. That we will stand and that we will proclaim the hope of Jesus 
that we will shine as a light calling people back to you in our community and around the world as we live as the radical church that we see in the book of Acts. God, may that continue to play out. May that story continue to be written in us today. Thank you for your forgiveness for those times when we get it wrong. Thank you for your faithfulness, God, in those times even when we are unfaithful to you. Lord, use us to proclaim your name and to help others come and find their place in your family with us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus gave us a mechanism to remember this message and our mission. And it's through communion. And and I didn't think that there was any better way for us to wrap up this message and really wrap up this series than by sharing in communion this morning as we leave. Through communion, we remember what Jesus did for us to bring us back into God's family when he gave his body and shed his blood as the punishment that our sins deserve. But, But communion is not just about remembering. Communion is a celebration for what has been restored But Paul also tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that through communion, we are reenacting the death of Jesus. And as we reenact this death that brought us peace with God, we are also proclaiming the good news of Jesus until he returns. That this good news is not just for us. We are proclaiming and we are telling that this good news is for others as well. And so communion is a time to help us remember our message of Jesus and recommit to our mission of telling others the good news of him and inviting them into God's family with us. And so we're gonna close this morning by sharing in communion, by taking the bread that represents his body that was broken and drinking the cup that represents his blood that was shed. And as we do, we remember and we recommit to this mission that he has called us to. And if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you've never experienced his love and his grace for you, taking that first step of faith towards him, we're gonna share in communion. We're gonna sing one more song. And as we close out our services and dismiss, if you wanna talk to somebody about taking your next steps with Jesus, my name is Sean and I'd love nothing more than to hang out with you after this service to talk to you more about that. Let's share in communion together as we close. This has been Upward Vision, a ministry of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. With locations on the east and west sides of Bloomington and in Bedford, Sherwood Oaks has a worship service to meet your needs. To receive a free copy of today's message or for more information about any of our locations and service times, go to socc.org messages. Thanks for joining us. Continue to look to God this week as you maintain the Upward Vision.